Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Guess who's here? It's old Trisha. Oh, hey. Hey. I like that nickname. That's you know new. that you're getting recognized out and about now? What? Yeah, just not when you're around. That's cool. We have to tell you about it. But people are saying, oh, man, you know who I really like is the girl. Ooh. Yeah. Not the old girl, though, right? No, no, no. Okay. No. Because that's a new nickname. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to have the Don Lemon conversation here. You don't? Not really. I'm on. I'm Team Don Lemon. Don Lemon. Are you? Yep. Do you know what I'm realizing is that Don Lemon doesn't have the same show he used to have. Is that right? I I'm just hearing about. this. I genuinely have no idea. I'm also not Team Don Lemon. I just don't care well, about Don Lemon. I, I mean, I genuinely did not know because I, first of all, will never watch CNN primetime. But also, even the TVs we have on around here. CNN may be on one of them once in a while, Mm -hmm. but it's just not what it used to be. Mm -mm. You can have lots of news on and CNN not really even be part of the conversation anymore, let alone primetime, which I'm not watching. Yeah, it's interesting. Their fall from grace. They used to be the airport. Yeah, they were the standard. They were the the gold standard of news. And I think that that's changed a lot. The last time we talked about Don Lemon on this show, we were talking about how he wasn't allowed to drink at New Year's. Oh, so yeah. So maybe his comments about Nikki Haley and her prime were just like built up frustration from having to be sober on New Year's. They say he's hanging by a thread. Yeah. So maybe it's all the stuff Makes sense. related together. But I didn't even know when he was on this panel with these women on this talk show, daytime talk show, people are saying, well, yeah, he's on there because he's not even doing his show anymore, which again, I haven't looked into. Mm-mm. So somebody tell me if I'm wrong. But. If that's where he's gone from being, and I think this was Joe Concha actually talking about this on Fox, about how he had been, you know, kind of king of the hill there for a while where he was not necessarily ratings killing it, but you're on primetime. No, he was their guy. He was one of the guys. I mean, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, Wolf Blitzer. There's only a few names that you can throw out that most people would recognize. And even he, I, I said this whole prime thing about Nikki Haley to my wife when we were having dinner last weekend. And she said, who's Don Lemon? <laughs> so, <laughs> Great like, question. Like, yeah, exactly. Was your, just out of curiosity, was your wife uh, offended by Don Lemon's comments? Oh, gosh. I think she was the same as everybody else, which is, it's so it's so outside of the bounds of where you know <laughs> the, the sideline should be now that it's almost funny. Mm-hmm. And nobody really, I think, was offended by it, which is why it's such a weird conversation to have because because he's on the left and he went so far outside of the bounds, everybody just knew, oh, he's in trouble. And nobody was really offended or anything, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, I wasn't offended by it at all. I just, it's interesting because had he been on the right, there would have been... Oh, it would have been blowback. Huge blowback, right? But because he was on the left and he said something so ridiculous (laughs) and obnoxious, everybody on the right's like... <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, nobody's dude. even feigning outrage. Nobody cares. The only it's interesting. The people that are the most upset 
seem to be the people on the left by his comments. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, not like they would be if I, a conservative I, said it. Right. It, I guess if you if you live in perpetual offense, mm-hmm. then you're looking for something to be offended by, and you're really look at, you're probably looking more at the right. So you're right that if it were on the right to use the word right about 15 times mm-hmm. in two sentences. No, you're right. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you. Um, there, this would have been handled completely differently, but I just feel like this is one of those that those of, you know, the right's going to criticize the left, left's going to criticize the right. So this was prime opportunity, no pun intended, for us to criticize Don Lemon, but we're all just laughing mm-hmm. and nobody's really asking for him to be fired or anything. So it was a, a ridiculous comment. Uh, totally, it, it is a it's a bad it, it's a bad take because you can see that mentally he did not connect the fact that one you're talking about cognitive prime and the other you're talking about literally childbearing prime, right. and he didn't connect those. And you're like, dude, you you're an anchor on a news station. You've got to connect those things. So I'm all for grace. I'm all for mm-hmm. somebody going, yeah. That was a bad move. And then moving on, which is what this will be ultimately, because it doesn't look like he's going to lose his job over it. But uh, it is embarrassing. It, it is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, I, I hope that we can get to a place where somebody does this and we don't have to go, oh, okay, now you have to go through sensitivity training and re-education camp, which is what which, they've said. Yeah, they've that's done what they're to doing to him, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think all of us roll our eyes at that but it's I, like you gotta check the box i was actually surprised that they had to put him in sensitivity training like he hadn't already done the sensitivity training I, most big companies make us do those things we've I, sat through hours of those yeah. things just we all check the box doing it corporates doing the cya can you imagine being in the room telling him don here's what we're gonna do we're gonna put you through sensitivity yeah, training. here's your unconscious bias training yeah I was surprised that he hadn't done that already. I'm sure he has. I, I think this is just here. We're going to give you a sheet of paper or a, whatever a PowerPoint presentation yeah, for us. You're it's an hour to, long video. That's I pretty know. bad punishment. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. But I think here's even if it's a five minute click through where you watch some video, they can go, okay. Well, he did new training. Now we've we're making sure that his brain is intact <laughs> <laughs> and he is in line with the rest of what we all believe. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, it's not even the point of the, the conversation I wanted to have with you. So real quick, we'll get to this now. Former Representative Liz Cheney slammed Marjorie Taylor Greene. Have you been following this saga? Not even with the Liz Cheney thing, but Marjorie Taylor Greene. A little bit. On Monday, calling for the U.S. to have a national divorce to separate red and blue states and to shrink the federal government. Now, when Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks... There are, I would say, probably the majority of the things that she says that don't get any attention that I agree with. But the things she says that are crazy are the ones that always get the attention. I don't even view this one as really that crazy. This one was one of those that seemed like people wanted something where some reason to be mad. Because haven't we all talked about this kind of thing for years now? That there's such a difference that how are we going to reconcile these differences? And she's saying they're irreconcilable. Therefore, we should have a divorce. Crazy? I mean... It's not crazy if you think about what's happening naturally by the people's free will. It is crazy to suggest that there should be some kind of government intervention. I agree with that. Because you can say that. The problem is that she's part of the government that would have to enact something like that 
legislatively. It's not going to happen. There's no way to divide the country up and carve it out red and blue because if all the blue states were on the left side of the country or the right side of the country and you could say, here's a clear line. I think we should put them on the right and then put the red states, red on, states the left, on the left just to confuse everybody. <laughs> like, those left states, those right-leaning left states. But if you if you could draw an actual geographic line somewhere, then there might be a conversation to be had. I still think you're not there yet. I mean, my mind and heart are there, but we, there's no practical way to do this at all no, right it, now. No, it, it is a crazy thing to suggest that somebody should intervene and step in and make that any kind of official yeah. ruling around that. People will naturally flock to the things that they believe. You see population centers being very blue. You yeah. see more rural areas being very red. People in Illinois that are fed up or moving out to Missouri. People that are more into... Whatever the heck's happening in Chicago or moving that way, you know, it, mm-hmm. people are doing that naturally. It goes against every ounce of my belief system to say that the government should. And that's that's the problem with what she's said is that she's speaking about something that's very much in the hearts of many people right now. How do we even do this? Because we view the world so differently. But as part of the government, you got to be practical and if you're going to say something like that, be a little bit smarter about it. You obviously have a huge platform. People are going to flock to whatever you say and the crazier things you say the more attention they're going to get so maybe that's kind of the point of it i wish people would stop saying the crazier things to get the attention and start saying the things in their heart they truly believe and running on those platforms and grassrooting the money and getting the donors that believe in the things that they truly believe in their heart and then they represent the people that elect them for the reasons that they say, and that those things are actual things that they want to get done. <laughs> so naive. I know, right? <laughs> That's what I want. Circling back to Don Lemon, that was my impression of Don, Don Lemon, is just calling you naive and laughing a little bit under oh, my breath. I'm still in my prime. What are you I'm talking not, about? I didn't say that. I did not say that. We can check the tape. I didn't say that. But uh, This is pr- outrageous. No. What is the window? I think I'm in it. <laughs> Actually, according to his definition, you are. Um, Thank you very yes, much. You're welcome. I have the Don Lemon stamp of approval, so you <laughs> yes. should take me seriously yeah, now. You absolutely do. 20 years from now, regardless of how much life experience I have, <laughs> disregard anything I say or believe. Uh, I really appreciate weaving in the Don Lemon with the Marjorie Taylor Greene there. Uh, because Masterfully. I, wanna, I, wanna en- I don't want to end on Don Lemon. I want to end on just this idea, because I think there's... It's something that a lot of people are thinking about, the national divorce idea. The only way, tell me if I'm wrong, the only way this could practically happen, and I'm not even saying it's going to happen right now, but let's say 20 years or in a generation or so, that this practically could happen would be if Texas did it. That's it. And then other states join Texas. That's the only way I could possibly see there being a separation in the United States into two different countries. Right or wrong? I, I guess so. I don't know. I, I'm i all for secession if that's what the Texas people vote and want to do. Oh, I'm not saying but whether you're for it or against also, it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I guess that's the only way to do it. But having this conversation and position the way it's been positioned by Marjorie Taylor Greene, I hate the whole idea. Like, we elect representatives, do a better job voting and using your vote and getting quality candidates. I, I swing back and forth on this so much. 
where I, at one time I'm going, you know what? Yeah, we need to just call it a quits, set, go, go our separate ways amicably and not have a war. And other times I'm like, no, I think actually we could still make this work. And I'm, I'm in the still make it work right now, which is weird because usually under a Democrat president, the Republicans would be going, wow, we got to change this thing. But I just don't, I feel like something's going to happen that's going to bring us back together still. And I don't know exactly what that is. But I, I mean, just, the, what our country is founded on, right? It's founded on the diversity. It's founded on the people having a voice. If you talk about separating into, I like this, you like that, now we're going to separate, you're opening yourself up to like more centralized versions of power in a smaller space, like people being more controlled by that government. You're giving the government more power in theory. Well, you're, you're localizing it more. Well, not really, not if you divide physical lines and you push people into an area and separate the whole thing is icky to me it goes against the entire founding of our country uh okay well more to think about let's take a break and uh do one segment and then can you come back sure okay on three separate occasions as recently as last month my office requested the defendant's bond be revoked the court either denied or ignored each of these requests. On December 12th, 2021, my office asked for a bond revocation. In other words, that he be taken into custody. And that request was denied by Judge Hedenbach. On August 10th, 2022, after Mr. Riley was taken into custody by court, released again on his own personal recognizance against the state's wishes. Over the following months, Mr. Riley left his home multiple times in direct violation of his bond. In spite of this, the court modified the bond, allowing him to leave home for work against the state's objections. Just last month, my office requested a hearing to address Mr. Riley's bond, including numerous violations. The court has yet to respond to that request or schedule that hearing. You know, I started the show with this, and I, I really wanted to come back to it very, very short here. I want to get back to Tricia. She's waiting outside. I have to let her back in. But with this George Soros, Kim Gardner stuff, and it's not just Kim Gardner. It's prosecutors all over the country. It's amazing. These people, what they're doing is so so profoundly evil and against people, and it's against the very people they claim to be wanting to help. But I think at the level of George Soros, he knows he's not helping. He knows he is just attempting to destabilize and bring poverty to everyone. And I, I, I said the cities initially, but really it's everybody. It's just that the cities are where he can get away with it because they'll vote for those people. You go out to the suburbs or you go into the rural areas, they won't vote for that stuff. But he knows that in the cities... You can put up somebody and just say sort of a racial statement about anything. You know, you just say, we want equality or whatever, and they'll vote for it. That's really sad. That is really sad. I mean, you're talking about sheep to the slaughter. Literally, we're talking about people dying in the city because of this stuff, and they just keep voting for it. But even, even the people in St. Louis now have turned. I don't think we're coming back from this one. That's good news. All right, we'll be right back. More Tricia. 
football is in full swing, NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, Trish is back. Uh, the story that I wanted to bring to you is a little bit less serious. I guess, actually, it's kind of a commentary on the world around us. Do you know who Rolled Doll is? I do. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Did he write Holes, too? That sounds... I, I've seen the movie. I've not mm. read the book. Uh, possibly. Matilda, I believe he wrote. Yep. Yes, I'm familiar yep. with it. I've not read a whole lot of his stuff, but my kids have all his books, so I, I see the titles. You've seen the movies, right? And I've seen whatever movies exist based on his stuff. There were some other ones that he did. Um, gosh, I wish, wish I could remember. that was BFG? Mm-hmm. Is that him? Yeah, something about the... Uh, some That's a giant one. It's about a giant. It's about a giant. Big, well, it's about a giant, giant who's not... He's like the smallest giant in the giant world. So, okay. but then he comes to our world, sort of, and he's a giant again. He's a giant because he's huge. Um, <laughs> now you've seen the movie. Feel Don't like even I'm go see you it. Off track a lot today. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, er. now you've seen the BFG. If you just heard mm. that, so don't even worry about going to the theater. Um, but here is the story around Rolled Doll. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Editors at Penguin's Children, so I think this is beyond just the Great Britain. I think this is worldwide. Um, Puffin is the subset of the publisher. Have taken a red pencil to the works of iconic but divisive divisive British writer Roald Dahl, known for Charlie and the Char- Char- Chocolate Factory and Matilda, among others. <clears throat> an, expen- an extensive report by UK newspaper The Telegraph says that language related to weight, mental health, violence, gender, and race has been cut and rewritten. I did see this. Surprise, surprise, or or is this just sign of the times? It's just such a shame. It is, isn't it? It really is. Leave well enough alone with art. I, I completely agree with that. And I don't think that anybody listening to us is going to adamantly disagree with that. But there, I've been thinking about this topic there are times that I understand changing the guidelines <clears throat> for the way culture is now. I understand. It's a, it's a necessity to grow and evolve as a species. It always is. And, and you know, we can debate whether we're growing in the right directions or not, which sure. I think a lot of the times we're going to point at and go, eh, no, we're not. Um, but there, there are definitely, especially in writing and comedy and things like that, and art, I mean all art, if you're going to write a book now, you probably, and that's for kids, you're going to write it different than Roald Dahl wrote them in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yep. But he wrote those in the 60s. Why go change them now? Leave that stuff alone. Disney puts, and a lot of other places, they'll put a disclaimer at the beginning and says, look, we don't necessarily agree with this. I think that's a little bit ridiculous, but at least they're leaving the original alone. At least they're leaving it alone. Why can't we leave these things alone anymore? I don't know. I mean, we... No, I'm with you. It's ridiculous. We have gotten to the point where we are so protective of not just kids. In this case, they're probably doing it in the vein of, well, we want to protect kids from reading the word fat or whatever. Um, But 
Why are we so scared of that word, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, it's not a nice thing to go around calling people that. And it's okay as a society to be conscious of people's feelings. But why are we so scared of, like, even acknowledging obesity? obesity anymore why do we pretend like that's not a thing yeah it's well it's the it's the it's the changing of words for the sake of changing them Mm -hmm. because it's not as if you don't understand when somebody is overweight but now you say overweight instead of fat and then somebody's going to come along and start using the word overweight inappropriately and we're going to go oh that's offensive and you just change it to something else yeah (laughs) like Like it still means the same thing yeah yeah, like the word, and I'm going to say it because now it's oh, it's taboo. But the word "retarded" used to mean behind. You are slower. Mm-hmm. Then it became a slur. Now it then it became mentally challenged. And now we can't use it. And now you can't use that word or mentally challenged. Now you have to use neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. They all mean the same thing, but it's just until somebody starts using it negatively, then well, I got to change it again. You're not accomplishing anything. Yeah. I won't even say the R word because it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not saying it's uncomfortable that you used it. I'm not saying that at all. But even when I hear that word in reference to things that aren't humans, because there is a way to use that word. Yeah. A fire retardant, Correct. for instance. Not the it exact makes same me word, go, but... ooh, you shouldn't say that. Like, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been conditioned. Because we've been conditioned to feel yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's it's such a good example. I think this story in particular is such a good example of of, uh, for lack of a better word, the whitewashing of history, that we want to place history, even if it's recent history, into different boxes and say, well, this is what that means. Well, if you actually study history, long time ago or short time ago, you realize that they're all dealing with the same kind of stuff as we are. We just deal with it this way. And somebody's going to look back on what we're doing right now and go, oh my gosh, those Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. Always, even the people who are the most progressive, you have to identify that you will be looked at that way by somebody. You're not going to be right. No matter what you do, you think you're you're hedging your bets against every possible offense possible, but there's no way for you to do that. And I just hate that we can't, we can have the discussion about what's right now all the time, which we do, but let's just agree as a society, to leave stuff in the past alone. That doesn't mean leave up statues of dictators if your country has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Germany left up statues of Hitler, cool. You want to take those down? That's fine. Just also explain the history accurately. Put them in a museum. Put it in a museum. Leave the books alone. Leave the... Now we're talking about movies. We're far enough into movie world now that we have a history of movies that we have to be ashamed of. Leave them alone. And fine. Put a disclaimer at the beginning. If that's the agreement that we have to make, then that's the agreement we have to make. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. uh, We will be right back. I want to talk about a kid who maybe you saw a little bit of him this week, uh, but he goes to a high school in Minnesota, and he gave a speech on his way out the door that is better than anything I could do on this show. So we're going to play the whole thing coming up in the next segment. All right, Trish is back. Uh, The story that I wanted to bring to you is a little bit less serious. Uh, I guess, actually, it's kind of a commentary on the world around us. Do you know who Rolled Doll is? I do. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Did he write Holes, too? That sounds... I've seen the movie. I've Mm -hmm. not read the book. 
Uh, possibly. Matilda, I believe he wrote. Yep. Yes, I'm familiar yep. with it. I've not read a whole lot of his stuff, but my kids have all his books, so I, I see the titles. You've seen the movies, right? And I've seen whatever movies exist based on his stuff. There were some other ones that he did. Um, gosh, I wish, wish I could remember that was BFG. Mm-hmm. Is that him? Yeah, something about the. Uh, some that's a giant one. It's about a giant. It's about giant. Big, well, it's about a giant, giant who's not. He's like the smallest giant in the giant world. So, okay. but then he comes to our world, sort of, and he's a giant again. He's a giant because he's huge. Um, <laughs> now you've seen the movie. Don't like even I'm go see you it. Off track a lot today. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, er. but now you've seen the BFG. If you just heard mm. that, so don't even worry about going to the theater. Um, but here is the story around Roald Dahl. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Editors at Penguin's Children, so I think this is beyond just the Great Britain. I think this is worldwide. Um, Puffin is the subset of the publisher. Have taken a red pencil to the works of iconic but divisive, divisive British writer Roald Dahl, known for Charlie and the Char- Char- Chocolate Factory and Matilda, among others. <clears throat> an, expen- an extensive report by UK newspaper The Telegraph says that language related to weight, mental health, violence, gender, and race has been cut and rewritten. I did see this. Surprise, surprise, or or is this just sign of the times? It's just such a shame. It is, isn't it? It really is. Leave well enough alone with art. I, I completely agree with that. And I don't think that anybody listening to us is going to adamantly disagree with that. But there, I've been thinking about this topic there are times that I understand changing the guidelines <clears throat> for the way culture is now. I understand. It's a, it's a necessity to grow and evolve as a species. It always is. And, and you know, we can debate whether we're growing in the right directions or not, which sure. I think a lot of the times we're going to point at and go, eh, no, we're not. Um, but there, there are definitely, especially in writing and comedy and things like that, and art, I mean, all art, if you're going to write a book now, you probably, and that's for kids, you're going to write it different than Roald Dahl wrote them in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yep. But he wrote those in the 60s. Why go change them now? Leave that stuff alone. Disney puts, and a lot of other places, they'll put a disclaimer at the beginning and says, look, we don't necessarily agree with this. I think that's a little bit ridiculous, but at least they're leaving the original alone. At least they're leaving it alone. Why can't we leave these things alone anymore? I don't know. I mean, we... No, I'm with you. It's ridiculous. We have gotten to the point where we are so protective of not just kids. In this case, they're probably doing it in the vein of, well, we want to protect kids from reading the word fat or whatever. Um, But... Why are we so scared of that word, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, it's not a nice thing to go around calling people that. And it's okay as a society to be conscious of people's feelings, but why are we so scared of like even acknowledging obesity obesity anymore? Why do we pretend like that's not a thing? Yeah, it's well, it's the it's the it's the changing of words for the sake of changing them. Mm -hmm. Because it's not as if you don't understand when somebody is overweight, but now you say overweight instead of fat. And then somebody's gonna come along and start using the word overweight inappropriately, and we're gonna go, oh, that's offensive. And you just change it to something else. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it still means the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the word, and I'm gonna say it because now it's, oh, it's taboo. But the word retarded used to mean behind. You are 
slower. Mm-hmm. Then it became a slur. Now it then it became mentally challenged. And now we can't use it. And now you can't use that word or mentally challenged. Now you have to use neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. They all mean the same thing, but it's just until somebody starts using it negatively, then well, I got to change it again. You're not accomplishing anything. Yeah. I won't even say the R word because it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not saying it's uncomfortable that you used it. I'm not saying that at all. But even when I hear that word in reference to things that aren't humans, because there is a way to use that word. Yeah. A fire retardant, Correct. for instance. Not the it exact makes same me word, go, but... ooh, you shouldn't say that. Like, yeah, we've, actually, we've been conditioned. Because we've been conditioned to feel yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's it's such a good example. I think this story in particular is such a good example of, of uh, for lack of a better word, the whitewashing of history that we want to place history even if it's recent history, into different boxes and say, well, this is what that means. Well, if you actually study history, long time ago or short time ago, you realize that they're all dealing with the same kind of stuff as we are. We just deal with it this way. And somebody's going to look back on what we're doing right now and go, oh my gosh, those Neanderthals. Mm -hmm. Always, even the people who are the most progressive, you have to identify that you will be looked at that way by somebody. Yeah. You're not going to be right, no matter what you do. You think you're you're hedging your bets against every possible offense possible, but there's no way for you to do that. And I just hate that we can't... We can have the discussion about what's right now all the time, which we do. But let's just agree, as a society, to leave stuff in the past alone. That doesn't mean leave up statues of dictators if your country has changed mm-hmm. you know if if germany left up statues of hitler cool you want to take those down that's fine just also explain the history accurately put them in a museum put it in a museum leave the books alone leave the now we're talking about movies we're far enough into movie world now that we have a history of movies that we have to be ashamed of leave them alone And fine, put a disclaimer at the beginning. If that's the agreement that we have to make, then that's the agreement we have to make. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, uh, we will be right back. I want to talk about a kid who maybe you saw a little bit of him this week, uh, but he goes to a high school in Minnesota, and he gave a speech on his way out the door that is better than anything I could do on this show. So we're going to play the whole thing coming up in the next segment. Wiggins America, thanks for being here this weekend. Uh, just wanted to play that song because, uh, well, if you've heard, if you listen to 97.1 enough, this week we started a promo, and that's some of the stuff I do here, I had to make a promo for a contest that we're doing involving John Mellencamp. So he's going to be in town, I think, April 22nd, if I'm not mistaken. And the contest is actually, it's a pretty easy contest compared to all contests. This one's actually a pretty pretty good one. Um, if you tune into the Odyssey app, and listen to the live stream, whether that be on your phone or your TV or whatever. Uh, every hour that you're logged in is an entry to win tickets to that show. So you, you don't have to do anything. Uh, that's why it's kind of cool. So if you like John Mellencamp, now I don't I don't really know much about John Mellencamp and his politics. I've I've he always makes the news whenever he says anything that leans left because of songs like that. People go, oh well, listen he. He probably would be a conservative, but listen to what he's saying. Uh, But I don't even remember what he says. I don't think he's super outspoken. I may be wrong. I don't pay close attention. I've never been a huge, huge fan of John Mellencamp, but the more I hear the Americana songs like that, 
I don't know. I, I have a greater appreciation. I grew up with those songs, so listening to them now, I'm trying to listen to them with fresh ears, fresh eyes, rather than just remembering what I thought the first time I heard it, and I'm, I'm hearing them differently, I guess. And part of that is probably that I do the July 4th special, and I'm hearing good, I'm looking for good Americana songs, and he's got quite a few of them. That's one of them. I wanted to play the whole first verse of that song just because it talks about a guy who in that situation doesn't sound like he's got it very good, but he's just full of gratitude, and he's got contentment. He's got peace in his heart somehow. We are lacking in that. We we have created a whole, <clears throat> not even subculture, but culture. Our, our, the American culture now is that of grievance and victimhood. And I, I'm trying not to use words that we usually associate with this because when you use victimhood, people kind of go in their corners and they go, oh, well, I've heard this before. I'm just talking about where the human heart is. D- do you feel, where, where do you feel? Do you feel perpetually dissatisfied or do you feel sometimes very satisfied? Or are you a mixture of those things? That's that's nothing new. And even in that song, he goes on to talk about uh, some different, you know, every verse is a, is a different person or different people. And some of them are about a guy popping pills to try to stay happy or stay ahead of the game. And, you know, it's, it's not as if he's glossing over, like, in the ni- early 1980s, <clears throat> life was perfect. Uh, but I, I don't ever hear anybody talk about somebody just having gratitude anymore and the older i get the more i feel it and i just hope that that's that's the common experience for me i i associate that with just being closer to god the the older i get and and less worried about the things of the world it's not as if i'm not participating in it obviously but i just seem to have more peace in general and and i i just hope that that's something that that does happen with age for everybody because of what I'm experiencing I like <laughs> and I I hope that it's uh, something that other people are experiencing too and I'm sure that's through Christ but um I don't know just sort of pontificating because I've got this clip that I want to play it's actually I've broken it into a few clips cuz it's about 4 minutes long it's a kid speaking of getting older um he is, I'd say, roughly from the look of him, he doesn't say in the clip, but he looks like he's probably about a junior in high school. And he's giving a speech to, I believe, the school board of a school called RHS. I think it's Rosemont is the school. I looked it up because he gives the district number in the clip. And he's talking to the school board about his experience in high school. And when you hear it, you go, you know what? That's not uncommon. Maybe in a rural school, it would be a little more uncommon, but still not impossible to hear. But he, I looked this school up. It's in Minnesota, right outside of Minneapolis in a, uh, in a suburb, I would say probably of Minneapolis, south suburb. So it seems like this would be a very common thing, not just in the inner city, but in suburb schools, because schools are run by people who um, really like grievance politics. So you can put whatever label on you want. You want to put CRT. You want to put uh, uh, the woke agenda. You know, whatever label. It doesn't really matter. It's stuff that stems from the human heart to say that that you should be dissatisfied more. We're, We're sort of cultivating dissatisfaction and trying to create divisions in the name of unity. Listen to this kid. He does a great job. 
just finished my freshman year at RHS. Um, I've been a part of District 196 schools now for 10 years, and I'm going to give you a glimpse today of what's actually going on inside these schools. Um, despite the board's attempt to deny it, District 196 schools are quickly becoming a place where promoting activism is actually more important than promoting education. I'll take you, I'll take you back to my first day at RHS this fall. The principal came out and gave us a heartfelt speech about equality and standing together. Um, he began to list countless races, such as Latino, Asian, expressing how much they matter and how important they are. But never once did he mention a race or identity that reflects me, or half the kids that were in the class. Now, members of the board, I know you haven't been to school in a while, and I know most of the people, I know none of you, or most of you, don't have any kids left in the school district. Um, but you must admit how uncomfortable it will be to be characterized just by your skin color on the first day of school and be thought that you were wrong just because of your skin color. So I'll never forget the look one of my friends gave me from across the room as we were sitting there listening to this blatant bias being expressed in the so-called equity statement by the leader of our school. To be clear, I don't need you to tell me that I matter, but hearing the condolences given to other races and leaving just one race out, it inevitably you'll start to feel like you've done something wrong. And in our principal's attempt to unify us, he instead created unwarranted boundaries and barriers between his students, pitting us against each other based on characteristics that we can't control. In another separate instance, I was told that writing all lives matter on the whiteboard was political and could be seen as offensive. When I questioned the teacher after class, she told me that she didn't have an answer and she just had to erase it, and it was quickly erased. There are political signs all over RHS specific, about specific races that matter, specific sexual orientations that matter, and specific perspectives that matter. But when I questioned the RHS administration about how these signs were political, they told me that they were supporting human rights. So when I questioned why the equity statement couldn't represent all students, they told me that to even ask that question was outlandish and offensive. And they, uh, when I asked why that was, they told me, quote, whites have a pretty good situation right now, unquote. So is that not racism? Disregarding my question merely because of the color of my skin. To be honest, after enduring a year of the people in charge telling me that I'm a racist and I'm privileged and pointing out our irreversible differences, I've never noticed race more. And it's becoming the first thing I notice when I meet someone, which has never before been the case. RHS administration confidently told me that RHS students and staff are happy with their equity statement. But from the ex my experience in talking with other students, this is not the case. I know many kids who disagree with their teachers, but they're too scared to stand up because they're worried that their grades will be docked and their learning experience will be affected. My honors government teacher, I'm not going to say his name, but he's mentioned that Democrats care more about all people while Republicans only care about themselves. So I'm pausing right there just to say, can you imagine a situation? He's doing a great job. I mean, really a great job of explaining the situation from inside the school. And that really is the case. You don't have a lot of adults experiencing this stuff because you go from classroom to classroom and the kids are the ones experiencing it. The, the teacher, him or herself, doesn't really have any accountability because it's all kids. How are the kids going to be able to explain what they're feeling unless you have a kid that is this good at communicating to explain it because they're controlling the language too. But again, flip test that and imagine what he said there is that Democrats care about people and Republicans don't whatever he said uh, can you imagine if that were a phrase that got out that would be on mainstream that would be on MSNBC and CNN that 
Republicans were brainwashing kids into into being Republicans. Well, that's literally happening for Democrats in schools right now. It's it's rather amazing. I wanted to pause there just for that reason. Now, there's one more clip from him. I'm basically playing this whole thing. One more clip from him I want to play, and then I'll tell you what happened with him. I have been... I've been told by a lot of kids that they just stay silent and adjust their schoolwork to reflect an acceptable opinion to secure a good grade. I've been approached by multiple teachers who have told me in private that they just want to say that they agree with me and they support me standing up, but they can't say it in front of the class for fear of being disciplined by the administration in some way or losing their jobs. There is clearly only one way to think in this district, and that is that they are teaching their kids to shut up if they don't agree. Now, members of the board, I want you to take a good look at yourselves in the mirror tonight and ask, are you really standing up for the equality of all people, or are you just pushing a damaging political ideology um, on, on our students? A fellow coworker at my job, who, by the way, is of color, discreetly told me that the schools seem to be pushing a very leftist agenda in class. This proved that not everyone is happy with your school, and not everyone who isn't happy is white. Now, due to all these instances I've mentioned and many more that I can't fit in this five-minute speech, I've decided to leave this district and continue school on a private Christian school online. And, and there will be sacrifices, and I will not get to walk in the graduation ceremony or attend milestones at RHS, but I will be able to learn in an environment that is not intent on punishing me daily for my skin color and political views. Now, regardless of how you take my speech, whether you just shrug it off as malarkey or Fox News talking points, I encourage you to think about it, because someday I'm going to be a leader. I may be the president, a governor, or just a professional golfer, but I will never stop believing that everybody has value, no matter their skin color or personal beliefs, and it's a shame that you're not going to be able to say that I was an alumni of RHS in District 196. Thank you. Kid's super impressive. Um, he knows exactly how to talk about these things in very, very plain terms without using, <laughs> he says, well, you're going to say I'm using Fox News talking points, but ultimately the conversation has been framed around leftist talking points. So, you know, we have to sort of use the language that they're using and he doesn't do that. And it's great. It really takes almost a professional communicator to be able to break out of that though, because it's hard to do. So, Hats off to that kid for doing that, and not just because he's a good communicator, but because he's he's clearly gotten a reputation at that school for being one who will stand up to those things. And other students, and apparently teachers, have come to him and privately said, hey, good job, you're, you're doing a really good job, but they won't do anything themselves. Now, I don't necessarily blame some of those kids because some of those kids, probably the vast majority of kids, they don't really know how to stand up against these things. I don't even know if I, when I was a junior, I was very rebellious in my way. I was actually kind of rebellious in that kid's way in that I would just challenge status quos for the sake of challenging them. Um, not like a punk rebel, but just a, you know, just, just a blank disturber uh, for the sake of challenging the system, whatever it was. And sometimes that was probably for good. And I was fairly, you know, at the time I would have called myself a conservative and a Christian. So probably for the same causes that he's talking about now, but they were different when I was in high school, much less severe, same kind of stuff, but much less severe, but kudos to him and, and shame really on the teachers and the adults who won't stand up for these things. I get everybody's different. I get some people think I'm not a very good communicator, so I won't be able to do this. But 
more often than not, it's because people are protecting themselves. And that's understandable, but it's also selfish. So everybody has had to, I think every person who I'm talking to right now, and I'm talking to me too, has had to at some point decide how much of myself and my own possible future or well-being do I want to sacrifice for the cause of speaking out or speaking up in this instance, whatever that instance was or is for you. And that's something that everybody has to answer differently for themselves And unfortunately, most people don't really rise up to that call. And I understand why, but at some point, you got to do it. At some point, you just have to do it. This has been Wiggins America encouraging you not only to do it, but to download the Odyssey app if you want to hear this whole show, Uh, to download the podcast, which will be uploaded by Monday if you want to hear the rest of the show, if you just caught the end here and you want to hear the rest. That's how you do it. This is Wiggins America. We'll see you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.